Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Happy New Year to all our listeners. I will save you anything from like a ball drop in ball, all these cringy comments, none of that. Just me and Isam to discuss the racing as always, as it's always been. Isam, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all our listeners. Thank you for also joining me in the new year. We're going to be discussing the XO Trophy in Baal. Yes, thank you for having me and a Happy New Year to you and uh, to the listeners and yeah, what a race uh, day we had at Baal. Oh, certainly. It was a rough, long day. Conditions were disgusting. We're a day late because I attended the race and just couldn't make it work afterwards. I was once again shooting video for USA Cycling Junior Team. It was the last race of our block. So hopefully for the rest we'll be back to usual with podcast right after the race. But I hope it's not too much of an issue that we're a day late, but... Oh boy, the conditions there in Baal, they were horrid, disgusting, filthy. If you're actually there in that mud, that mud was smelly. But if you're watching, you probably call it completely different. Perfect conditions. And I can see why it was cross in its purest form for the GP. So nice. Maciej van der Poel had a New Year's resolution of humiliating the opposition. He attacked in the second lap, powered away from the rest, opened the gap, non like out of nowhere, non-stop pushing by him. He won the race by a minute and 55 seconds over his longtime rival, Wout van Aert. Pim Ronaar did what he could and ended third, two minutes and 44 down, but there really was never a race. Isam van der Poel, I already said it, almost looked like he had a New Year's resolution to like win by biggest margin ever or whatever, but boy, he was like on fire. He was relentless. He was a beast. He was crushing the rest. What So strong. What a performance. Yeah, it was uh, a very strong performance by the world champion. And I think after Bao or after Hulls, sorry, I mean, I had some hope that that Van Aert maybe could battle it out a little bit. But man, that door was uh, shut quite quickly. And I think that Van Aert, to be honest, also had that idea to, you know, try and make Van der Poel's life a little more difficult uh, in the race. But. Yeah, there was there was there was nothing he could do, and um, he found out quite quickly that it was just not going to be a day where he could challenge Van der Poel, and it it was not even an attack. The way he he, he, he you know he got a gap because Van Aert made a mistake on the, um, the the lower part there before you go on that asphalt hill, and then from there you know I think he saw that Van Aert kind of struggled to get to his wheel, and then from there he just started to up the pace and. Before uh, we know it, it, it was 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then the cap just started to increase and increase. And I think that it was the you know the biggest sign that we got that it was just not going to be his battle at all was when, when Van Aert also sat behind Ronhar, who I really commend for his race. It was a really strong effort from Ronhar, but you know, Van Aert just, just didn't have it. And it's uh, in a way also a bit conflicting the way I see how Van Aert deals with it you know you hear from one part your Jan Bova saying it was disappointing then he himself says that it is um, it is normal and it's a process and he knows what he's doing and he knows what will come it's a bit twisted because I don't think that he expected to have such a, a setback after you know trying to you know lead in the first first lap and you know really trying to put Van der Poel on the pressure left and right and it looked very good. The running looked good. And for a moment, I thought this is going to be a battle that's at least going to last a couple of laps. But boy, we didn't even get that. It was it was over before we even knew it. And 
yeah, that is only that's all credits to to Van der Poel, I think, and you know also in a way uh, Van Aert that is with just a different program and not able with what he has at the moment to battle it out with Van der Poel, and it's just uh, one is. Uh, a little but you know maybe <laughs> much better than than the rest and it was a true showcase in uh, Bau. we'll only really get to know like how good van de poel and van aert actually are when it's road season time when the tour of flanders milan sanremo paris roubaix when we're at those races we will see what the real state is we'll see what type of process Van Aert is believing in what van de poel is doing i think van de poel last year showed that if you want to do it you're perfectly capable of becoming cyclocross and road world champion whilst also having a strong spring campaign it's just about making choices and we'll see i mean on the course as we found yesterday in bow like pretty extensive climbing a lot of mud a decent amount of running like you would favor van aert that's like the best type of course you can give him and then to be beaten two minutes by van der poel poor and if you hear from the pool talk afterwards, like, oh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, that's my uh, most fun cross race I've done this season. Yeah. yeah, no biggie. Like, that must do something to Van Aert. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go on record and say that Van der Poel is going to destroy all the classics because I think the form level both have now is pretty irrelevant towards that. So we'll just see whatever happens there later on. It's per- perfectly possible that von art becomes better and finally gets his big flemish win because in flanders you're only a real big rider once you win the tour of flanders so i don't think we should look into it that much but just if you see from the pool you see him ride you hear him talk you see like all the attention around him he comes in with his lamborghini he gets all the press like it must also like do something he is very clearly the big man and in the past few seasons, even when Van der Poel was the world champion, it was more Van Aert who was that big man who had all the film crews around him, who had the complete package. And it's pretty interesting to see that shift to Van der Poel completely now. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that we just see like articles about, oh, this time Van der Poel came in a yellow Lamborghini and last time he came in this one. Interview with the Lamborghini dealer of Mathieu Van der Poel. All this type of stuff. More articles about his hair than about the performances of Van Aert. Like, isn't that interesting to see like how those dynamics have shifted? Yes, totally. And I think for part it has to do with this. You know, the the, the road season of Van der Poel was was quite insane. If you look at what he achieved there, and uh, it's always easier to uh, to gain traction with a winner than uh, with someone that is finishing second and. Uh, did not really achieve the things that he wanted to uh, in his season at least you know Van Aert had a, had a good road season but it wasn't what he expected from it and I I think that is just it, it, it is in a way just the interest that kind of shifted and you know it doesn't help that Van Aert at the moment is just not really he's just not there yet he's not able to to battle it out with van der poel and he's probably not going to be able to do so in the next couple of races where he will attend which is i think oxide and then from there it's only benidorm that is left for him so going to be difficult and i mean like you said we shouldn't be going too much ahead on on the road and we are focused on cyclocross so i think that we should do that for now but it's it's i i just feel that it is 
that they are a bit guessing at the moment where they are with the form and it's I'm just seeing that I wouldn't say insecurity but it's just they're not really certain at what they can expect from from the racing that they are doing and I I just that it feels a bit weird to me it feels like they are like a Jumbo, a team, or Visma Lisa Bike uh, now in 2024. It feels a bit weird that they just that you have you know uh, conflicting messages about it, and 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 you know also the expectations are not really aligned. I I don't know. It's it's a bit weird, but you know there's still a couple of races for him left, as we've said already with with Coxide and Benidorm, and we'll see what that will bring. But I don't see that change in terms of. Uh, hierarchy who is going to be better i think that's van der Poel, if he doesn't have a mechanical if he has a good day and uh, everything goes right then yeah good luck trying to beat him on paper we can also just already award the world title too much of van der Poel. like it's the same goes like no mechanical or anything but it's just the level he has is just insane and i know you already went over pim ronar like i also applaud his race and his efforts he did what he could he gave literally everything he had he tried to stick with them in the first lap he he made a few mistakes but then he ended third but he ended third two minutes 45 down like this is just brutal it's a beating this is not a fun start to the new year this is torture this is suffering and it's beautiful to watch and it's what makes cyclocross such a great sport every single rider is pushed to the absolute limit and if we look at the entire top 10 we see that some riders did better than others Mathieu van der Poel took the win ahead of Van Aert and Ron Haar Van der Haar was fourth ahead of Michael van Toerenhout Thibaut Nijs came in sixth ahead of Emile Verstringen Cameron Mason was eighth Jens Adams ninth and Joris Nieuwenhuis finished tenth that was a fairly disappointing race for Nieuwenhuis Tom Pitcock 12th disappointing race for him as well he had a complete off day I mean goes quickly on a course like this I think he blew up trying to catch the leaders early on in the race when he was in fourth. Lauren Zweig, 15th, also a horrible day out for him. I mean, in the top 10, Cameron Mason, we've went over him before. This is not the type, or well, it's the type of course where he does well, but it's not the phase in the season where he seems to have a good form, which we've discussed extensively before. But, Isam, I have to talk to you about pretty much only Lars van der Haar. He ends fourth. He ends three minutes 30 down. He races his balls off. He does whatever he can do. Suffering. He will need a few days to re- to recover from this. This is not a course where Lars van der Haar does well. Meanwhile, Eli Izerbeet, he was dehydrated in Hulst, had some issues after that. Says, okay, I'm not going to race here in Baal. Izerbeet, well, of course he's been dehydrated, but... Like, figuratively speaking, chilling on the couch, legs up in the air, just laughing, looking at that and thinking, oh, look at all these people suffer. And in the end, is the X2O trophy over for him? No. How much time did he lose? A minute 30. We've talked extensively before, and I don't want to make this another X2O trophy roast, but the system just doesn't really work. If you don't start, or if you're more than five minutes down, you lose five minutes. But from the higher races here for over an hour in atrocious conditions he suffers puts in a big effort and his main rival Isabel is sitting at home and he only loses a minute 30 like what type of time system are we in how how should we take this classification seriously if this is the way they deal with all of this yeah 
and I think the issue is as well that it's not not the first time that we have issues with this classification and of course in a way you can you can say that they cannot take into account that a guy shows up and uh, that that isn't really part of the classification and rides the leader away on, on on three minutes something and because of that he doesn't lose that much time on someone that didn't race because he only loses five minutes on the course like this so you know then a solution could be that you you, you try to you know have a percentage on on the time gap that's on the time that someone loses on the race that he misses or you do instead of five minutes you do 10 minutes but i think that you always will have issues with with such a time classification in the format that it is right now with the races that it has and it's just it's not great but in a way if you look at the super prestige that was already written before it even got to Diegem in a way and 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 that has also to do again with participation and they have a great point system so it, it is just it's it's hard to kind of get it right as a classification and i think that you know if you look at the world cup we had a, we have a lot of criticism on it but i think that it's at the moment the the classification where we can still look at and be like well somewhat uh, relevant but with the xto trophy right now i mean there is some sort of a battle, but I don't think that is Ezerby starting in in, in Cockside. I don't know. No, he's not doing Cockside either. And I mean, for Ezerby, there's the case. He's not just chilling at home. Oh, I'm not gonna race Baal. It's a hard day out. I'm just gonna recover and chill. But he he's sick. He's had issues. Okay, but still, it doesn't reward from the higher. The punishment of not racing around should be much higher. We'll talk about the women's elite race in a bit, but. From Denise Betsema, who ends seventh onwards, everybody who sat at home loses the same amount of time as a rider who's been racing for an hour. And a woman racing an hour, I mean, I'm all for women's races becoming an hour, so it's no issue to me that they're on their bike for an hour, but, like, that's just, it's just not in proportion, and I feel like that's definitely something that should be adjusted, and that was one of the main points which we criticized it before, this race for as well like the Koppenberg was the same situation and that's what you say so it's not the first time and it's not like this is the first season where things like this happen and that's also my criticism on the world cup the if you win the difference with second is 10 points but as soon as one out from the pool and Pitcock come in and take those three places most of the time all of the rest is battling for singular point differences, which is near enough impossible to make up for, which makes that the classification is pretty much already decided before the so-called big three or just the front runners come in. And I feel like Cyclocross should adapt to that, especially if you're the X2O trophy and you're criticizing the World Cup so much all of the time. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a it is an issue that that probably won't be solved uh, next year because I don't think that they want to tackle the issue because, as you've said, it's already an issue and as we've said already, that is an issue that has been going on for a couple of seasons already. And you know, there there are two options: you can try to fix your own product, or you can whine about other products and and say that the that they are ruining your product in a way. And I think that. That obviously we've seen that Golazzo kind of did that with the XO trophy, but if you look at their classification alone, there is a plenty of things that they could fix. They haven't shown, apart from the time classification, they haven't shown much 
innovation in, in, in the sport, in my opinion, apart from some silly uh, objects that they have put in certain circuits where I think that, that are useless in a way. And yeah, it's just uh, every time we come to the end of, of, of a season or close to an end of a season, we come to the same conclusion that the XO trophy at the moment is is, is kind of a farce and is not working. And it's a bit of a shame, really, because I think that there are some parts of it that are that are great and they have great races on the calendar, but it's just, it, it is not not working at the moment. And I think that if you keep it this way, it's not going to work in the next five years because you will just be that classification that will be uh, either concluded already on the Koppenberg or, or you know, people will skip the Koppenberg because, you know, five minutes is, is easy uh, to lose there because, you know, who knows, you can still gain it on the rest of the season. And yeah, it, it, it's not working at the moment the way they're doing it. And hopefully they will see uh, some senses, they will get some senses in them and change it and we see what, what, what it will bring. Yeah, I hope that they focus on improving their own product as much as possible rather than criticizing something which isn't perfect when at the same time they're also not capable of having a perfect product themselves. So, well, we'll leave it at that before it becomes too much of the extra roast again. We've done that in our World Cup discussion podcast. So if you're interested in that, go go find for it. It was posted somewhere in November. But we'll go and talk on about the women's race because that was one where they're Okay, there was a clear difference at the front between the Ferrari 2 and the rest. Plenty to talk about because we had an animating duel between Femme van Empel and Lucinda Brandt. Both riders were able to break away from each other a couple of times. It came back together. But at the end of the race, Femme van Empel was just slightly stronger and took the win ahead of Lucinda Brandt. For third place, there was a battle between Sanne Kant, Eva Hongren and Clara Honsinger for a while. Kant at some point looked to be the slight favorite for that, but in the final lap and a half, Eva Holmgren powered away from Kant and Honsinger and took her maiden European podium in one of the big races there as well. First race for Little Trek, some way to debut. Gonna give a lot of attention to that in a bit, but first is some the battle between Van Empel and Brandt. In the first lap, I could not believe what I saw. I was just after pit two, after the bridge. Van Empel and Brandt came through and I waited forever. It took like a minute before the rider and third came. I think it was maybe Betsema at that point, but it took forever. They were so much stronger than the rest. Pretty entertaining battle. I think the question we had after Hulls, like what is the physique of Van Van Empel like? We have a relatively good answer to that. It seems to be fine. But still, you could see the confidence wasn't really there and she even admitted to it in the post-race interview that she said, well, confidence is not there. I crashed also hurt her other knee so that's something for her to work on but at least we know that physically it all looks fine because boy you don't win on this course if you're not in a good physical form it was a very honest course and also a course where you could get your you know you could use your power in a very good way in an effective way and sure if you didn't like the running parts it was also going to be a bit difficult but and especially if you you know kind of you're kind of down a little on, on the power then you have to run a little more and that is obviously not 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 great either so it was a very hard course and especially with the conditions that it that it was in it was just you know uh, very tough and the differences were <laughs> were huge between van empel brandt and the rest in a way and i think that it's um i, I saw the the pace that they were that they were doing in in hulst uh, that was with Peters and Alvarado also, and they were not um, they were not here in Baal. But 
that pace was just was insane in a way. And I think that again, we can commend both Brandt and Van Empel because they, you know, there was always going to be a point where they could look at each other a little bit more and and, and maybe try to, you know, to be more uh, try to look at each other and play it more tactical. But they just they just went for it. I think they there was not a single lap where they really let the pace drop off a little. It was just constantly trying to uh, get in front of each other and, and putting the pace and putting someone else under pressure. Brandt with, uh, I don't know, <laughs> sometimes I look at the descents and I'm like holding my breath from time to time. It's it's uh, such a risky move the way she, she does it as well. Sometimes it looks under control, sometimes it really doesn't. Um, and, and Van Empel was at certain points really put under pressure in, in, in some certain descents, mainly because of just not having the confidence to, to get through it. But overall, the form from Van Empel today was, or today, at Baal was, was very good. And yeah, the confidence of, of Van Empel was, um, was was a bit off. You could see it in, in the descent and it was not always up there. And Brandt really tried to put it under pressure there. But, you know, in the end, it... I think that you could say that the form of Van Empel was very good and she showed it and the deserved winner for sure and Brandt just didn't really have an answer on on the power and the form that Van Empel is in at the moment and that is at least somewhat encouraging for Van Empel and you just, you know, we should hope that what she, with this race, that she can kind of build some confidence back and, you know, work on the technique and on mainly on the confidence I think because while sure her technique is not uh, the best I still think that her technique is good enough to win races and it's just right now you should mainly focus on the confidence because then you know you at least have somewhat of a decent technique to get through the corners and stay as close as possible to the pack and you know if it's it wasn't only the difficult corners sometimes I looked at certain lines that she was taking in certain corners that were uh, quote-unquote relatively easy and it still wasn't the right line and wasn't with the confidence that you have to take those corners so it was great to see her bounce back but there is still some work to do for Van Empel. Yeah but it's encouraging I think her confidence levels will take a little bit of a boost from this I wonder how that knee will be the other one the one that she crashed on freshly in Baal it looked to be in pretty bad condition right after the finish although clearly the adrenaline meant that she didn't feel too much pain but but yeah i just want to comment on those downhills of brand because brand's downhills they're like nothing i've seen before like brand knows no fear she just sends it down and one of the prime examples will was Ehrenthal's a couple of seasons ago in super sketchy gnarly conditions she just flew down there down the ski hill and it's happened many times before sometimes she crashes Remember Worlds and BLS 20, um, what was that, 17? 17 that must have been. Uh, she she hit the deck so hard there, so hard. It cost her a medal, potentially the win there even. I think she would have always missed out to Kant and Vos there, but up for debate, uh, she crashed so hard there. Oh, it's just nasty. Like she, ooh, no, I can't even think about it too much, but yeah but it went well here in Baal she didn't crash and I guess you win some you lose some so I respect the the commitment and the skill and another rider who has that is Eva Hongren because in the first lap after I'd waited for long Van Empel Brandt had passed me there was a group Eva Hongren did not have the greatest of starts 
but she came into the corner and right in front of my eyes she dive bombs three riders passes them bridges up to the group for third and she starts fighting there 19 almost 19 years old 18 years old still but racing age 19 turning 19 in may that's impressive is some first race for her and her sister and the little track team leaving the stimulus or Bea team it's super impressive like we can talk okay the riders who aren't there etc etc and those are all fair points like i don't expect they have a home run to do this in a world cup but ending third here that is a good result and in general i have to hand it to the canadians they have eva Holmgren in third isabella Holmgren, a bit more issues has been sick also crashed a few times ninth rafael carrier tenth first year junior woman first year junior woman ladies and gentlemen first year junior woman in the top 10 of a super hard race they had more of their juniors lily rose marois ended on the lead lap nico knoll ended on the lead lap as well at impressive day by the canadians and above all eva hongren just giving it a finishing touch winning her first duck i, I take my hat off for that the way she also went through the field it was <laughs> at a certain point i thought wow top five is possible here it's going to be difficult for a podium but yeah then it's <laughs> it more and more looked like the podium was 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 a realistic uh was was going to be more and more realistic during the race and eventually just uh better than Kanten Holsinger and, and just gets herself in a third position and I think uh, we have already said it a couple of times and I think at a certain point the listeners already know that, that she's a, a big talent but it's just man it, of course there are some, some riders missing but still if you let's just say you put Peterson Alfarado you put them ahead and it, it is still it is still a remarkable result, to be honest. It was really good, and yeah, you just you hope to see that a little bit more often. And as you have said, it's not something that we now should expect at, at World Cups as well, and 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 expect every single race. I think that you should just you know give it time; it will come. Uh, only nineteen, so it you know with with time, the results will come more consistently, but. Boy, you have someone that is uh, truly talented and that is just going to only going to get better and better. So <laughs> it's uh, the the future is looking very good. And as you said, three Canadians in in a top ten. Small side note: I have to say, if I want to be, uh, you know, normally Imogen Imogen Wolf should have been in the top ten because I don't know what happened there. I think the chain dropped or something and had to run across the line and was on the you know just before the finish was overtaken by um i think both uh, carrier and, and and morse as well and even the schepper i see so you know they all three of her all three of them overtook uh image and wolf in the end so that that was a bit of a shame i think that normally she would have been in in the top 10 but nevertheless i think still that result is is super impressive as a first year junior and yeah, the the talent is there. Canada has has especially in the women's category, they have it. They have something that is coming, and you just hope that that it will come to into fruition, and that they will you know stay stay close to the cyclocross and not uh, as we have seen in the past with some uh, jump to and not not only in Canada but in other countries as well, jump to the mountain bike and the road racing and. Uh, they obviously have a more sustainable future with with more money and and obviously you can understand that with the Olympic dream but 
you know, hopefully they 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 will stay around with the cyclocross, and you know, it it that would be great for for cyclocross as a sport. Yeah, it would be great, and I have a different feeling about this than like when Ruby West was here or like those type of riders. These this feels different. Eva Holmgren seems to me like a rider that will develop into a cross mountain bike rider. Her sister Isabella seems more like a road rider to me. I think she can become a very very good climber there and you're right Imogen Wolf had a issue I don't think it was a change up I think her derailleur broke or maybe her hanger was bent something broke at the back of her bike which meant she couldn't fix it and yeah she got past but still Carrier a first year junior she wasn't that far behind Imogen when it happened that is a strong strong ride and in general it was a good result good day for the North Americans just look at the entire top 10 and then I'll talk about Clara Honsinger who I'm building towards in this bridge from the Empel 1 ahead of Brandt, Holmgren and Kant. Honsinger was 5th ahead of Alessandra Keller, the mountain bike rider and Swiss cyclocross champion. Betsma was 7th ahead of K, Isabella Holmgren and Raphael Carrier. So, Isam, we can talk about Honsinger a bit now. This was her first European race of the season. We have talked about her a little bit this year. She raced first in Waterloo for the World Cup. That's kind of the only time we talked about her. She focused more this year on finishing her degree after she didn't get taken over by the new EF education team. She's back to her local team, team for which she first became elite national champion way back in, I think that was um, 20, uh, 2019, that must have been, 2019-2020 season in Tacoma from the top of my head. Now she comes here, first race of the season, fifth place in the mix for the podium. Again, the same goes. There were a couple of riders absent, and I don't expect Honsinger to be fifth in the upcoming World Cups. But for someone who's focused on school, first race over here, I think it was decent. And what I was most surprised by was the fact that she, for once, actually didn't have a horrible start. We should also say it is a course that that I think suits her quite well because it it, it is somewhat of a slower race, and it is a race that where you can really use the power and you can uh, it is important to to make sure that you get through your race uh, in a in a in a steady pace you know and i think that's uh, that definitely helped her as well but it looked good i mean it's as you said it's it's if you not fully focusing on on the sport it's going to be more difficult to get to get good results out but i think that this is a good result and the form is is good so that is definitely encouraging for her and as you said i think that on in the, you know at a world cup if you have uh, most of the the women starting then it's going to be a little bit more difficult for her but um i definitely think that it could have been it could have been worse you could have a result like betsema i would say so i think that for Honsinger it was definitely a very very solid result and something that you can that you can work with for the remainder of the season and hopefully she will get some some more races where it's more like this in a way eh? a bit more of the slower kind of races because we had some fast ones and i think that that maybe wouldn't be really something that that would suit her amazingly but with these type of races i think that she could uh, definitely score some some good results uh, in the remainder of the season yeah, Betsman definitely did not have a good day out. She was suffering. She got beaten by Alessandra Keller. And if you're wondering what power only looks like on a cross bike, 
I would suggest going through a race Alessandra Keller does because she rode almost the entire race in the drops, the climbs, the downhills, the corners, everything in the drops. That didn't matter. She was just pushing crazy power. And, well, she moved to six, so it worked reasonably well for her. That was just interesting to see. want to give a few more results from outside of the top 10. Fleur Moore's decent result by her, 11th. Another junior in the top 15 was Vida Lopez de San Roman, ended 15th. And a bit further down, I don't think there was really that much to say for. I think maybe at the end of the day, Puck Pietersen and Celine Carmen Alvarado are the big winners today because they sat at home. There was also another race in Petange in Luxembourg. Joshua Dubot took the win ahead of Lander Lokes and Marcel Meissen, whilst Christine Majerus won the woman elite race ahead of Xaide van Sinai and Larissa Hartog. Isam, thank you for being here. I think that will conclude it from Baal. Finally, a couple of days to recover before we finish off the Christmas period with Kokseide, Gulligem and Zonhoven. Yes, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, let's uh, finish it off strongly. And then from there, we can slowly but surely go to the Nationals. And then, you know, we have that long kind of walk towards the World Championships in Tabor. And, yeah, it's going to be still... We still have some races to the left. So it's uh, interesting to see what, what those races will bring to us. Most definitely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you guys soon. Goodbye.